Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They will be able to use this message and make their lives better, God, not just years from now or months from now, not weeks from now, not even just days from now, but they will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Lift your Bibles up. Let's say this confession. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed. And I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God has created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, family, we're gonna, we're gonna jump into this today with very little intro. I will give a little bit of intro. What we're doing is we are continuing our conversation on the subject of contending for the faith. The scripture that we're anchoring, anchoring ourselves around is in Jude chapter one, only one chapter of course, but verse three, the King James Version reads this way. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, for the context, we went to the easy to read version and we said, dear friends, it says, dear friends, I wanted very much to write to you about the salvation we all share together, but I felt the need to write to you about something else. I want to encourage you to fight hard for the faith, there's our context, that God gave his holy people. God gave this faith once and it is good for all time. To contend for the faith, you have to be a what? A contender. Now, labeling yourself a contender is one thing, but believing down deep in your heart that you are a contender, that's a whole different ballgame. We have previously noted that there are two type of contenders in this world. There are contenders who expect to win, and there are also contenders who what? They expect to lose. We are in the middle of our conversation regarding contenders who expect to win. We jump back into that conversation by looking in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and talking about the life of a young pre-King David. As we look into these different subjects of the Bible, remember that what we're trying to do is use their life as kind of a, a background or a backdrop to pick out certain indicators or traits of a real contender. When we say contender who expects to win, we bundle that up into just two words, real contender. When you look at 1 Samuel 16, here is the backdrop of that. God has sent Samuel to a man's house or a man's family named Jesse to select a new king for the children of Israel. What happened was King Saul, who disobeyed God, has gotten himself into a position that God has said, you know what, I'm going to pick somebody else. I'm going to pick me a king for my people who has my heart. Samuel gets to Jesse's, Jesse's place. I'm going to say his house. That's, that's a, a more current day word for me. He gets to his house. And when he gets to his house, Jesse's oldest boy 
somehow approaches. And when Samuel sees this guy, the way he's built, the way he stands, the way he's carrying himself, maybe he has broad shoulders. I don't know. He just looks kingly to him. He says to himself, within himself, that must be the person that God wants. However, God interrupts Samuel with correction. Look at what he says. We're in the voice translation. By the way, every other scripture is going to be in the voice translation today. God interrupts this boy and says this. 1 Samuel 16 and 7, take no notice of his looks or his height. He is not the one, for the eternal one does not pay attention to what humans value. Humans only care about the external appearance, appearance, but the eternal considers the inner character. For this session, this brings us to our very first trait that we want to talk about today or mention today about a real contender. Notice. The true measure of a real contender is not what they possess outside but how much of God's character they have inside. A real contender. We're not worrying about looks, no, not the looks, not the skin color, not the race, not the gender. God's not looking at that. Your education, not looking at that. How well you talk, not looking at that. God is looking at the character of the person. When it comes to God, supernatural soundness surpasses superficial appearances. A real contender. Some other time down the road, the children of Israel come face to face with the real human terror named Goliath. Goliath is a massive Philistine warrior. And he steps up and challenges the children of Israel to a duel. Basically, he's saying, listen, here's what you do. You get your best man and put him on the field with me. Send him into the octagon. You feel me? One on one. If he beat me, we'll serve you. If I kick his tail, though, you know what's going to happen? Y'all, y'all need to serve, serve us. And when I say Goliath was a massive piece of soldierhood, he was menacing. Look at how the Bible describes him. 1 Samuel 17, verses 4 through 7, voice. Then a champion emerged from the Philistine camp, Goliath of Gath, one of the five capital cities in the Philistine Confederation who was over nine feet tall. That's an NBA all-star right there. All day, every day. Get to the post, pass me the ball, buckets. <laughs> it says he wore a bronze helmet and a chainmail coat that weighed more than 100 pounds of bronze. His legs were protected by bronze skin guards, and he had a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders, ready to throw. Ready. The shaft of his spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. The iron head of his spear weighed 20 pounds. The spear by itself, the head of it, 20 pounds. And his shield bearer went ahead of him, probably because he had so much stuff. He was a fearsome sight. At the sight of this dude, his stature, his appearance, what do you think the children of Israel what did they happen? Check it out. Let's see, let's see what they happen. It says this. Verse 11. When Saul and his army heard the Philistines' words, they were shocked and frightened. In regular speak, they were chicken. They were terrified. They were wetting their pants. It says they were shocked and frightened. Every one of those Israelites 
were terrified, terrified, all of them, all except David. David happened to be around one day when Goliath was out making his verbal threats, out, you know, talking his trash. And David heard him. And when David heard him, look at what David said to the frightened men around him. <laughs> David said, what is the reward for removing this insult from Israel by killing this man? No uncircumcised Philistine can get away with taunting the armies of the living God. The next trait of a real contender, loved ones, check it out. A real contender will stand up and represent God even if everyone else around them is afraid to do so. Amen. A real contender will represent. A real contender will stand up and make sure everybody notices and everybody knows who and whose he is. A real contender doesn't back down from the opposition because a real contender knows no matter how big the opposition, guess what? My God is bigger. Amen. Of course, we can continue to talk over and over and over about different attributes through the life of David. I mean, we could continue with David for a while. We, we haven't even gotten to the point to where he talked to King Saul. We haven't even got to the point to where he's actually fought Goliath. We haven't gotten to the point to where he threw that smooth stone. There's a lot of meat still left on his bone. And you know what the beauty of that is? Disciple, you can read it for yourself. And go and, and, and don't just, don't, let me tell you something. Let's go off script. Say go off script, Pastor. Let's just go off script real quick. All right, all right, check this out. Sometimes you will hear uh, a pastor or someone who's ministering to you, and they'll talk about things that have been instilled into believers over the years. Like they would start off like, you know, we've taught you something wrong. You know, we've taught you to 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 focus on money and instead of instead of God. We've we've taught you to to whatever. And then they'll say, you know, we shouldn't have done that. But let me tell you something. I believe people have been taught. Just just me. To the detriment of discipleship. People have been taught or probably more like conditioned to get their Bible teaching from a man or a woman, from a pulpit. When each and every person should be studying to show their own self-approved. Each and every person should have always, even when you get a good hallelujah, stamp your feet, clap your hands message from your favorite pastor, you should have still been going home and seeing in the word what they said to see for yourself that it's true. Because sometimes what happens, I've been victim to it, you can get such a feel-good message and miss the fact that they are, there are all kind of errors in what they're saying. I went to a church I'm, I, no, I'm going to put my people out there. I went to, to, to my home church, where I grew up in. You know, the church with the one door and, and the baptismal pool. I went to that church. Sitting in the church, the head pastor teaching, calling out accounts from the Bible, mixing the people up. Like it was Noah, and he's saying Moses. I mean, just... And you know what, people, preach, pastor. I'm sitting there. I told Greta. I said, that's some pitiful mess. I'm, I'm in church now. 
and I, I don't want to be critical. I am, I am rarely, I don't care how bad it is. If a person is trying to get people closer to God, I'm rarely going to be critical. I'm not, you ain't got to be no scholar. You can make a mistake. I've said things that run, my wife's correct me. I'm talking about that. It's just consistent. And, and they are, they are, they are shouting themselves into a tizzy. And I look over to Greta and I said, I left my church where I know things are solid to come and have this stuff resonate in my ear. I will never do this again, ever. But guess what? The reason why you can shout about Moses building the ark is because you ain't reading your Bible yourself. Let me get back on track. But a real contender, a real contender will stand up and represent God no matter if anybody else does so. And we can pull a lot more out of David. Read it yourself. And make sure that's one reason I like to put the scripture on the screen. Make sure you go and read it yourself. I'm not just saying that to be funny, but there are more. You will notice in all these contender messages, I have not listed contender, the real contender. I haven't said like one, two, three, because there's no there's no finite list. If you read your Bible, you get close to God, you meditate on him, you let him feed your spirit. You will learn from him what it means to be a real contender. You might end up with something that you don't even find in the 66 books. Just God just shared it with you. It's like, oh, you know what? That's 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 some real contender stuff there. All right. So we're going to go ahead and go past Dave. Dave's a good old boy. We've already talked about him. We're going to go next to the book of Daniel. In Daniel. <laughs> we're going to we're going to look in chapter six. And in chapter six, <laughs> that wasn't too real for anybody, was it? <laughs> All right. In, in Daniel chapter six, a king named Darius gets tricked into creating a very strict law. Now, you see, here's 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 the deal. In Darius's kingdom, there were a lot of leaders. And one of those leaders was a Jewish man named Daniel. Out of all the leaders, given that Daniel, his work ethic was just better. His character was just better. One translation says that his, 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 his activities just were like high above the rest. He was just outperforming everybody. And because of that, King Darius made him the HLIC, the head leader in charge. The head leader in charge <laughs> and you guys know what happens usually when you got a whole bunch of people together even though people might not say it out loud sometimes when you get your blessing they they don't like it they might have they people thought why why him why this jewish guy Frankly, the other leaders, they, they didn't like it. They were salty. In retaliation, you know what they did? Given that they knew Daniel, Daniel was a believer, and they knew that he prayed to God every day, they got together and those salty, Wicked leaders convinced or tricked King Darius into putting the following law into law, <laughs> right? Notice this. Daniel 6, verses 6 through 7. 
The governors and officers agreed and went to the king with what they thought would be a good way to trap Daniel. The conspirators said, may King Darius live forever. All the leaders of the empire, the governors, prefects, officers, advisors, and other administrators have consulted together. Not all. Daniel wasn't there. Lying self. Have consulted together and are in complete agreement that the king should issue an edict and enforce it strictly to the effect that anyone who prays to another, whether divine or human, except you, of course, good king, for a period of 30 days will be thrown into the lion's den. Now they've put that before him. And what King Darius does is he contemplates it and thinks about it a little bit. And then you know what he does? He moves forward and he signs this thing into law without even considering Daniel. Of course, Daniel being the head man, he obviously finds out about this. He's going to find out. He's, he's the leader of the leaders. Subsequently, one might think that Daniel would take a position where he's not going to pray to God anymore. Or at least, at least take the position where he's going to pray to God in secret. Look, it's only 30 days. It's not forever. He can put down his religion for 30 days. He can fit in 30 days. One would think one could surmise, hey, guess what? It's easy for this man to say to himself, you know what? I cannot pray to God for a month. Daniel doesn't take that position, though. Mm -mm. What does this man say? Verse 10, even though Daniel was aware the king had signed the ordinance into law, he continued to do what he always did. He would go home, ascend to the stairs to the upper room, which had windows facing toward Jerusalem, and get down on his knees three times a day, not once, not twice, but three times a day, and pray to his God and praise him. Not behind closed doors, but in, in the open like I always did. Yeah, you can see me, and I'm not going to do it one time. I'm not going to do it two times. I'm going to do it three times a day, and I'm not just going to pray. At some point in time, you might see me in that window giving God some praise. He is going to do what he's always done because guess what a real contender is about? Give me my slide. Real contenders do not succumb to the pressure to turn their backs on the faith. You don't turn your back on God. As the song says, we never give up on God because he won't give up on us. You know that he's able. Like with David, we haven't even gotten to the lions yet for Daniel. There is more meat on this bone, too. You know, that brings me to a, 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 a quick story. <laughs> whenever, whenever we go out to eat, my, 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 my wife and my daughter, they like steaks. I'm not a big red meat person, even though every now and then I'll eat a steak or a burger. I might eat one steak a year, maybe. I might eat four hamburgers a year. I just, I just, I'm more like a chicken, fish, turkey, you know, that kind of, that kind of. I eat a lot of salads. My oldest granddaughter calls me a bunny. <laughs> she says, Grandpa, you eat so much salad, you're a bunny. 
But back back to the to thing that spurred this thought. I said, you know, like David, there's a lot more meat on the bone to this Daniel story. Well, whenever my daughter and my wife go out to eat and they have their steaks, I always notice something. Number one, they want the steak with the bone. Because somehow the bone adds to the to the flavoring. Okay, see, see, y'all steak eaters, y'all, y'all know that. But what surprises me is that, how am I going to put this without making it sound, I'm just going to say it. I can look at the plate sometime, and in my mind, you got to be done with that. But they correct me. No, 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 no. There is still a lot of meat wrapped around the bone. Now get this. We went to the steakhouse once, and they got they got the steak came, and 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 I thought they were done. Had the 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 server come over, and not only, not only did they containerize it, but foil wrapped that thing. And the person that was doing the wrapping, they confirmed what I guess all steak eaters have experienced at one point in time. That when you, in the restaurant, you eat a certain kind of way. But when you get that foil wrapped bone home, hey, come on somebody. When you get that foil wrapped bone home and you put on them eating pants and you get on that couch with that blanket, and you heat that foil up in the oven, not too long, just warm long enough to get the chill off of that, and then you take that bone, not on a plate, you hold it in your hand like a club, and you work it over, that that's when you done with that steak. I'm always, I'm always aware of that, it's interesting. <laughs> but Daniel, there's a lot more meat on that bone, family. <laughs> Go and make sure you unwrap Daniel later. Take him out the foil and get some more of these traits of a real contender. But the thing I want to point out for Daniel right now is Daniel basically lets us know that you need to always be faithful. Always keep the faith. Now we jump to one more person. We jump to a man named Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22, God gives this man a very troublesome task. Notice Genesis 22. After a period of time, God decided to put Abraham to the test. God says, Abraham, Abraham says, hey, I'm right here. God says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom I know you love deeply, and go to the land of Moriah. When you get there, I want you to offer Isaac to me as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I will show you which one. Now, I'm going to tell you quite frankly Yes, indeed, this right here is a very troublesome request. And it's, it's a troublesome request on many levels. Definitely, he's asking this man to sacrifice his son. But what adds another level of heart-wrenching potential angst to my man Abraham is his stage of life when God has asked him to do this. When God first started talking to Abraham about making him a great nation, Abraham, then Abram at the time, but Abraham, I mean, he was 75 years old. He's 100 years old now. He must be thinking to himself, at least a little bit, his baby-making days are done. He might not even believe that 
you know, the pistol can get locked and loaded again. I mean, he's a hundred. And God already produced this miracle. But if you read that account fully in Genesis about Abraham and his wife, at some point in time, they were thinking, really? I mean, God, we're, I mean, we're having a lot of birthdays. I would be willing to bet that somewhere, somewhere in this man's mind, instead of having to believe God for Isaac number two, he would much rather just keep Isaac number one. Out of obedience to God, though, this man <laughs> loads up the truck and starts heading towards Beverly. You feel me? He begins to let's go ahead and let's do this thing. Notice this. Verses five through six. They begin to get to the place to where they're, you know, they're they're approaching kind of exactly where God wants them to be. Abraham says this to his servants. Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to meet you here. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and set it on the shoulders of his son Isaac to carry. Abraham carried, Abraham himself carried the fire and the knife. The two of them walked together. Now let me tell you something real quick. Abraham is moving forward here. Isaac's with him. But my goodness, somewhere in Abraham's mind must be some kind of uneasiness concerning the potential personal loss. When we talking about real contenders, though, because Abraham keeps moving forward. Notice this. A real contender never places fear of personal loss above obedience to God. A real contender does not look at what they could quote unquote lose and use that as an excuse not to do what God told them to do. Abraham is choosing God over fear. Suddenly, or I don't know if it's eventually, because I'm sure they've, they've been talking before now, but let's just call it suddenly. Isaac begins to speak. Notice what Isaac says here. Isaac says to Abraham, or to his daddy, Father, Abraham says, I'm right here, son. Isaac says, look, we have the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He's thinking. All the synapses are, 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 are firing off in his head. Abraham says, verse 8, God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, son, offering my son. The two of them continue to walk together. Abraham obviously does not have a lamb to present his son right now as an answer to his question. But Abraham is certain of one thing. God will provide. What is an indicator of a real contender? A real contender moves forward in God with the unwavering assurance that God will provide. God will provide. All of us have been in life situations, all of us, where we did not have the answers to the questions swirling around in our head. We didn't have the answers to the questions that others from the outside were asking us. We didn't have the answers to the questions that were hitting us out loud and silently on the inside. But loved ones, if you really are a real contender, 
you already know that you already have the only answer that you will ever need. God will provide. You see, you say to yourself, I'm going to start this business. And I do not know how I'm going to do it. But there is one thing I do know. My God will provide. If I don't know nothing else, I know that my God got me. You say to yourself, I'm raising these babies on my own. And I do not know how I'm going to do it. But there is one thing I do know. My God will provide. If I don't know anything else, I know my God got me. You say to yourself, hey, listen. I am in the middle of this divorce. My life has been turned upside down. I am an emotional wreck. I never thought I would find myself in this situation. I really don't know how I'm going to make it. But there is one thing I do know for certain. I know that my God will provide. If I don't know anything else. I know my God got me. I am pursuing God's plan for my life. And the truth be told, if you were in my inner circle, if you could see what's deep down in my heart, the truth be told, I'm scared. I'm scared I'm not going to be able to pull it off. I'm scared I'll fall and make, a, make an embarrassment of myself. I'm doing what God told me to do, but down deep inside, I'm scared. I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. But there is one thing I do know. I know that God will provide. If I don't know anything else, I know that my God got me. Abraham does not have the physical evidence to present to his son to resolve his question. But he presents to his son the one thing he does have, his confidence that God will provide. And on that word, they keep going. Now, eventually, they make it to this place, the actual physical place where, hey, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. And what do you think goes on? Check it out. When they finally arrived to the place God had shown him, Abraham took some stones and built an altar and there, altar there, and arranged the wood carefully on the top. Then he bound up his son Isaac with rope and laid him on the altar on top of the stack of wood. At this point, Abraham, he still doesn't have this lamb or ram, whatever you want to say. He don't have an animal to make the sacrifice with. And in doing so, in following through God's plan, he, he binds up his son and puts him there. Now, I'm going to tell you, my father is no longer here, but I loved my daddy. And obviously, we, we have to assume that Isaac, he loved his daddy. For sure, he loved his daddy. However, I have to highlight this. What Isaac is displaying right now is an undeniable picture or depiction of a son putting his life completely in his father's hands. What about contenders who expect to win? Notice, a real contender places his or her life completely 
in the Father's hands. A contender who expects to win only expects to win because they're always walking with the Father. It don't matter what it looks like to a real contender. Why? Because my God got me. And I'm always going to put my life in God's hands and I'm going to keep it there. That's a real contender. This is what Isaac's displaying. Now, even, even beyond that, though, when we're thinking about Isaac and Abraham, notice all these things in the previous verses, they're, they're walking together. He says, hey, Daddy, where's all this burnt offering stuff that we need? Don't worry about it, God. And they walk together. They have been walking together, by the way, not just now, but all Isaac's life has been time spent walking and talking with his daddy. When you think about that, I want you to imagine now Isaac is laying on his wood. And the Bible doesn't say anything like he was kicking and screaming. It don't say nothing like, you know, his daddy had to chase him and tackle him and hog time and drag him back and he was, no, he didn't, he didn't say none of that. For all we know, he said to his son, now I'm gonna bind you up and I'm gonna put you on this wood. But no matter what happens, I don't ever want you to lose focus that God will provide. I'm talking about the words that this daddy was telling his son had to be hecka compelling for him to lay on this wood bound. Growing up, knowing what sacrifices are, knowing how the process works, already asking because he's a smart boy, weigh this animal at daddy. Stop playing now. You know he said it. He said, look, daddy, stop playing. Yeah. So you want me, let me, uh, you, may, you want me to, and then you go, and we don't have a, but he says, okay. I got to believe because I, I know how I love my father, that he has mad love for his daddy. But whatever his daddy is telling him has to be way, way super compelling. When we think about real contenders family, notice. A real contender's conviction concerning what God has said is so strong that it compels others to follow. When you are a real contender, when you talk about what God wants you to do, people automatically want to jump in and help you do that. Have you ever heard somebody talk about a vision that God has given them and then they run in towards that vision such that, doggone it, you want to see them succeed. A real contender, when they open their mouth and you hear the strength of their conviction, oh, you can get behind that. So here he is. What do you think is getting ready to go down? Check it out. Just as Abraham reached over to grab the knife, that would kill his son, a special messenger of the eternal called his name from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, I'm right here. He might have had a little, whoo, whoo. You feel me? Whoo. He's, I'm right here. I'm right here. The messenger says, don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to harm him. 
I now know that your respect, that you respect the one true God and will be loyal to him and follow his commands because you were willing to give up your son, your only son to me. A real contender. Getting ready to follow through when his heart, every signal in him has to be saying, what are you doing? God, I'm here. I'm waiting. Here is going to here. It's finna go down. Real contenders family. Notice a real contender is never too settled or focused on what God has said as to become deaf to what God is saying. If he wasn't open and ready, if all he had on his mind was God told me to sacrifice him, so this has got to go down, he would have missed the word, don't do that. As it relates to a real contender, they are always open to hearing new instructions from God. It's one thing to go forward on what God said. It's a whole nother level of being connected to him to allow him to redirect you as you go. A lot of times what we'll say is, you know, you need to get in the flow. But I want you to say this with me. Say, to be in God's flow, to be in God's flow you must always remain, you must always remain fluid. fluid. You can't be in God's flow and be rigid. Because as the Holy Spirit wills, you have to be willing and able to flex. God told you, I need you to go. I need you to go and see your mama and you need to be there at three o'clock because I need you to do X, Y, and Z. You on your way to see your mama and then you at three o'clock. Yes, ma'am. You on the way to see your mama at three o'clock and on your way there, you notice a family on the side of the road broke down. And the Holy Spirit says, isn't that so-and-so? Don't you? We need to, something's up. We need to go help them. Well, somebody else will get that. Why? Because you try to get to your mama house at three o'clock. Now you're, you're going to do what God said. But if you're fluid, you will be able to realize within yourself that maybe God told you to go see your mama at three because at 255, they would be broke down on the side of the road. God don't have to tell you every step of the plan. All you have to do is get with his plan. A real contender is never too settled or too focused on what God has said as to become so locked into it that they, they turn a deaf ear to what God is saying. Family, we have gone through David, we've gone through Daniel, and we've gone through some of Abraham. And I don't, I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's more meat on the Abraham bone. So what are you going to do? Going to go home and unwrap that foil and you're going to meditate and gnaw on that bad boy, right? All right. But here we have, there we have it. Three more subjects in the Bible that allow us to pick out traits or indicators of real contenders. And as far as talking about contenders, we're, 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 not, we're not done. We have some more things to share with you, but of course that's next time. But in between time though, your question is still for you to ponder. What is it? What kind of contender am I? Bottom line is we want us all to be real contenders. 
and all of this information is not just for information's sake. The information is provided so that when you look in the mirror, if you see something that's not becoming a real contender, you make the adjustments. We're, we're, not, we're not here to condemn. God just wants to correct and get us back on the right path. It's a, it's a simple formula. It don't, sometimes we get so we get so tied up into where a per person is that we become the hindrance on where they can go. If we if we told if we told everybody that the only the only persons that could be in this in this in this building, in this sanctuary, in this church were people who were without error, I beat everybody outside. We've all come short of God's glory. God is not looking to condemn us, condemn us from where, for where we are. He just would like for us to get to where he wants us to be. So do that for me. Do that for yourself. Ponder that question because real contender is what we want the answer to that for that question to be. Amen. 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 Loved ones, let's pray. God, I thank you that each and every person here. As they listen to your word, as they hear what the Holy Spirit resonates on the inside of them. We pray that they embrace it, that they hold it close, they digest it, and they get all of the information out of it that you have for them. And we thank you they're not going to stop here. They're going to disciple themselves as it relates to putting themselves in a position, God, to study the word for themselves. They're not just coming here and listening and taking notes and letting that notes, their notes be the end all. Their notes are just the starting point, the launch pad for more glorious things that you're going to share with them as they commune with you, as they read your word, as they page through or thumb through or go through your word, Father, create in them a heart to be a real contender. As they, as they used to say in song as I was growing up, God, as you're searching us, if you find anything that shouldn't be, Take it out and strengthen me, God. We want to be oh so close to you. So close that everything we do, everything we say, every step we take is an accurate representation of you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.